Get ready to take notes. Get ready to introduce our first speaker, Jay. excited to be here tonight. Pastor Tessa, you're one of my favorite people too. I first want to start off honoring our pastors, Pastors Jurgen and Leanne, Pastor John and Becky. I don't know if a lot of you get to know them as long as I've got to know them. My husband and I have been here for eight years and they are the real deal and the fruit in our lives so much of it is thankful to them. The last few years pastoring through COVID, the things that they've done in the light, outside of the light are things that no one would ever see. And Pastor John and Becky have been so incredible to our lives over the last eight years, not just mentors, but friends. And we're just so thankful for them. So uh, I want to talk with you guys tonight about overcoming fear. Second Peter 2.19 says, you are a slave to whatever controls you. And I was a slave to fear most of my life without even realizing it. Um, I remember when I was a little girl, I would just lay in bed so scared at night for most of my life. I would lay in the middle of my bed because the outside parts are scary. And I would lay in the middle of my bed and I would just lay there flat with my, like I like to sleep on my side, but I wouldn't sleep on my side because sleeping on your side is scary. So I would just sleep on my back and I would look around the room all night long and then I would finally fall asleep and then I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would look around the room again and just like afraid to move on my side again. Um, just all night long, I was afraid. And then I would wake up in the morning and, and then do it all again the next day. I also struggled with nightmares every night of my life from the time I was little until coming to this church. The most tormenting, terrible things every single night of my life from the time I was little. And it, it just wreaked havoc in my life. I had fearful thoughts. I was afraid of dying. I had a pretty traumatic childhood, so it kind of also makes sense. But I just remember being afraid all the time, afraid that when I got in the car, that we were going to get in a car wreck, just all of these things plagued my mind as a child. And I, um, I remember having fearful thoughts just creep into my head all the time. Thoughts that, I mean, I had a lot of nightmares, so it makes sense. But, um, but thoughts that little kids would never think would just creep into my head and I would just meditate on it uh, for a long time. So um, when I went to uh, college, I actually started seeing a Christian counselor. Thank God for Christian counselors. I wasn't a believer at the time, but I, I went there because of the nightmares, because they were interfering with my life so bad, I was not able to function normally in my normal day. And so she asked me, do you have anyone else in your family who struggles with nightmares? And I said, no. And she's like, well, why don't you ask around? I was like, okay. Um, thinking like, that's so silly. Um, so I asked around and I found out my Nana had nightmares every night of her life. She was in her 70s and her mom had nightmares every night of her life until she died. And my Nana said, actually, and, and you'll have them too every night of your life. And I wasn't even a believer at the time, but at the moment I said, no, I won't. And I really believed, no, I won't. This stops with me. And it did. When I started coming to this church, God totally set me free from nightmares. And not only that, but turned them into prophetic dreams. So now, like God always does that. 
He will always turn something bad into something good every single time. Something that the enemy used so greatly against me, God turned into something that's so beautiful that he lets me have every, not every night, but, but really often. It's really cool. So there's a lot of people in here, I'm sure, maybe you don't have the tangible fear that I've had, the tangible fear of, of all of the things like I was saying, but fear can creep in in a lot of different ways. And a lot of people I know over the last two years for someone who has been around fear so much in my life, I've seen it so heavily weighing upon people the last couple years of a fear of dying. And it's been really on my heart. Um, Hebrews 2, 14 through 15 says, Jesus became flesh and blood for us, for only as human beings could he die, only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil. That means the power of the devil is broken. Who had the power of death? That means death is broken. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Fear is slavery. And when we live our lives according to that slavery, we live under that that fear. And we're submitting to the devil instead of submitting to God. So so the first step that I did uh, in getting set free from fear is first realizing I'm living in fear. So knowing that you're living in fear is the first step. And it seems obvious, but for a lot of people, we don't realize those thoughts, those tormenting thoughts. Like if you're about to make a decision, a big decision in your life, and you've been going through it for a while, and then you, you say, the first thing you say is, but I'm afraid that, then that means that you're making the decision based off of fear instead of based off of faith. I, I'm afraid to have a baby because the first time I had a baby, it was traumatic. I'm afraid to... Uh, to stay where I'm planted and where I know God's called me to because I'm afraid he's not going to provide for me. There's so many different scenarios that you can go through. And when you say, and I'm afraid that, it's the, it's the thing that, that can kind of place you if you're making the decision based off of fear or based off of faith. So I got saved when I was 18 and I was still being tormented in my sleep. I was still being tormented in my mind. And the first step though was I knew I'm going to get freedom from this. I'm believing that I'm going to get freedom from this. And I prayed every single night before I went to sleep and declared good things, the things of God and the promises of God over me. Um, So the next thing that happened is I went to a conference. It was a, a gateway conference in Texas called Kairos, which is all about freedom. And that weekend, I learned something that was I think one of the most powerful things that you can learn to get set free from fear, which is fear is a spirit. Fear is a spirit. And we don't have to live under a spirit of fear. So hello, I mean, that was so big for me. And so when I learned fear is a spirit, I'm like, what? I, if fear is a spirit and I'm saved and I have the Holy Spirit, then I'm not gonna live under a spirit of fear. And so that weekend, I got delivered from a spirit of fear and it changed my life in a single moment. I remember during that time, Ryan, uh, my husband, he went out of town all the time. I remember him going out of town for up to 10 days, and which means 10 nights. And those 10 nights, I would just lay in bed. I would toss and turn. I wouldn't get any sleep. It was terrible for the poor guy because I never wanted him to go out of town. And... Uh, I never wanted him to go out of town because I was so freaked out the whole time. I couldn't sleep. I was, I, my daytimes were terrible because my nights were so bad. And, um, and so anyway, after this conference, he went out of town and it was so crazy. It was the first time in my life I remember being uh, 
by myself in my home and not being afraid. It was nighttime. I turned my light off. I walked slowly to my bed. I laid there. I rolled on my side. I closed my eyes (laughs) and I went to sleep. And to this day, that was, that was 10 years ago. And to this day, I don't struggle anymore with fear in the dark and going to sleep because, because that, that weekend, God set me free. So the third thing is to retrain your brain and resist. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. When I realized that fear was a spirit and I knew I wasn't gonna let it control me, I knew that I had to change my thinking revolving um, when something would come into my head because it still did. I still had fearful thoughts that would come into my head. I had a lot of reprogramming to do. And the, the thoughts that I used to just allow and entertain in my mind, I all of a sudden realized, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. And so I would stop them. The thought would come in and I would say, no, I'm not doing that. I have, a, I have the Holy Spirit in me. I have peace. I have joy. I have... Um, I have... Uh, I have every good thing that God's given me and the enemy has to flee. And so I would just start speaking the word of God into my mind and it did, the enemy flees. Um, So the last thing is trusting God. Your fears will increase as you diminish God in your life. If you elevate God in your life, fear will flee. Fear is a great thermostat to see how much we're elevating God. If we're elevating God in our life, fear has to go. If there's a lot of fear overcoming you over your family, over your children, then then elevate God in your life. Elevate God in your family. Elevate your prayer time. Elevate the truth of what God says about you, the truth of who he says you are, who your family is. The Bible says in Romans 8, 15, for you to not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. That means that we don't have to live in fear because we are sons and daughters of the King. When we know who we are in Christ, then we know that we don't have to live under a spirit of fear, but we can have freedom in every area. So later on, if you feel like you have, um, you've heard any of this and, and you feel like fear, whether it's in your mind, whether it's in your heart, come up to the front. We'd love to pray for you. And let, let tonight be the last night that you deal with fear. So good. Wow. What a testimony. Come on, Jade. I love it. Overcoming fear. That is amazing. Yay! I love three by tens. They're super fun. Awesome. Before I get into it, I have to and want to honor our incredible pastors. Even though Pastor John and Becky and Pastor Jurgen and Leanne are not here, I just am so grateful for everything that they have done. This church has completely radically changed my life. And so I will forever be grateful for them. Awesome. You guys ready to get into it? I'm I'm ready. Let's go. Okay. I'm going to talk tonight on my favorite topic in the whole wide world, and that is faith. Faith. Because faith is the single most important thing that has completely radically changed everything in my life. So I'm pumped to talk about it. Um, Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please God. So obviously faith is pretty important. Let's be real, right? Okay, so let's just start with what is faith? What is the definition of faith? The definition of faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. 
So I used to think that I just needed more faith. And if I just had more faith, then I wouldn't be afraid of things, right? So I would just be like, God, give me more faith. Give me more faith. I just want more, 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 more. But I never, I didn't feel a shift. I didn't feel any, any kind of like transformation until one day God gave me the revelation that it wasn't that I didn't have enough faith. I had plenty of faith. It was that I had put my faith in things other than God. I had put my confidence and my trust trust in things other than Jesus. See, Jesus said that faith the size of a mustard seed is enough to move a mountain, right? So like that tells me that even a little tiny bit of faith is like really powerful to transform our lives. So the point is, uh, my first point is we choose where we place our faith. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight is where is our faith? So I had a recent faith journey. I've had a lot of faith journeys in my life. But a recent one that I want to share is um, regarding my son. I have three kids. Um, Our son is the youngest. And a year ago when he was uh, 10 months old, we were out and about. I bought him a peanut butter bar and he was snacking on it. And like I turned away for probably point two seconds. It felt like 0.2 seconds. And I turned back and literally his face is completely swollen. Like he turned into a red balloon. His eyes were swollen shut. His lips are like, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, I completely, I'd never seen anything like it in my life. So of course I just rushed him to the ER, like praying in tongues the whole time, like breathe, 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 freaking out. Get him to the ER. They take care of everything. He's fine. So I go to a specialist, an allergy specialist, and they do a nut panel on his back. And the doctor comes in and says, Mrs. Mack, I want to confirm that your son absolutely does have a severe peanut allergy. And I'll never forget, she looks at me and says that you always have to have an EpiPen on you. If he's anywhere near peanuts, don't think that an ambulance is going to get to you in time. He very likely would die. I'm like, okay, that's a lot. Like, okay. So I go home. I'm processing. I'm like, okay, that was like kind of a big deal. So I'm like, you know, I'm going to go to God. Like God has to, I'm going to get a word from the Lord. So I go to the Lord and I'm like, okay, God, what do you have to say about this? And right away in an instant, he gives me Mark 16, 16. It says, and these signs will accompany those that believe when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. And I'm like, okay. So here I have a word from the doctor and then I had a a word from God. So I have a choice in this moment. Where am I going to put my trust? Where am I going to put my faith and my confidence, right? So of course I decide, you know what? I'm going to put my confidence in Jesus. Now I did not go and give him peanuts. Okay. That would be foolish. Okay. That wisdom and faith work together. Okay. I didn't go give him peanuts. Peanuts were removed from the house at this point. But I called the doctor and I said, hey, I, you know, I just thank you for your time today. But I want to let you know that I actually don't believe that Judah has a peanut allergy. I believe that he has a skin sensitivity to peanuts. Oh, well, Mrs. Mack, that's extremely rare. That's almost impossible. That's way too rare. No, no, no. And I said, you know, I don't care if it's rare. Like, I serve a God that does impossible things. I don't really care what the percentage is. But I want to continue to do testing, and I want to continue to persevere in this. So we embarked on a nine-month journey, my husband and I, on a nine-month journey of uh, lots of highs and lots of lows of testing. And in the end, it turns out he is not allergic to peanuts. (laughs) He has a skin sensitivity to peanuts. And the kid eats peanut butter every day. He's obsessed with peanut butter. He eats peanut butter every day. 
So the point of the story is that we constantly, daily, have a decision, where will we put our faith? Are we going to put our faith in the media, in the news? Are we going to put our faith in the Word of God? The truth is that everyone in this room, I don't care who you are, you have faith in something or many things. All of us do, right? Science, medicine, America, politicians. You see, this is what I realized, is that when we're not careful... What happens is God chooses so many different ways and different vessels to bless us that if we're not careful, we begin to put our faith in the vessel of God's blessing instead of in God himself, right? I've realized this in my life. I've got to tell I realize this in my life. As an example, as an example, my husband and I, um, we've been married for 13 years, and um, God has chosen to prosper and bless us over these 13 years in the area of real estate. We've had real estate investments. We work in real estate. We have real estate businesses. But what if I start putting my faith and trust in the housing economy or in real estate instead of in the God who's chosen to use real estate to prosper me, right? I'm going to be petrified that there's like, what if there's a crash? What if there's an adjustment? What if, oh my gosh, what's, what's going to happen with housing? I'm going to freak out, right? That's what happens, What about in the United States of America? I recognize this in 2020. I'm going to be honest with you. In 2020, I realized that because God had used America to bless me, I'm so blessed to be an American citizen, I had begun to put some of my faith and my trust and my confidence in the United States of America, right? Instead of in the God who's used America to bless me, right? The reality is we have to remember God is not limited by what he has done in the past, He can do a new thing. At any time, he can change his strategy and do something new. When we put our faith in anything other than God, the result is fear and anxiety. And so I often do a self-assessment. Anytime I feel a little bit of anxiety or fear in an area of my life, I ask myself the question, where is my faith in this area of my life? And nine times out of 10, I recognize in that moment that I'm putting a little bit of my faith and my confidence and trust in something other than God in that area of my life. When our faith is not in God, we begin to write our own miracle stories. Who's done that? I've definitely done that one, right? I'm like, okay, God, this is how it's going to go, right? Like, this is how you're going to be God, and this is how you're going to move in my life. It might go something like this. Okay, God, I know you want to bless and prosper me, which is true. So I'm going to put $100 in my crypto fund, and I'm not going to look at it for six months. And then when I look at it in six months, I'm expecting it in faith to be a million dollars, right? Okay, your faith is not in God. Your faith is in the crypto fund. What happens in six months when you open it up and it's not worth a million dollars, right? You didn't put your faith in God. So we often tell God how to do his job. But the reality is that a miracle is an act of God, not man. If you could do it yourself, you should do it yourself, right? Like taking out the trash. Don't expect God to take out your trash. Pick it up and take it out yourself. Like, but if you need God to move, he will move. So part of trusting God is saying, I don't know how you're going to accomplish this, God. Like, I don't really know how you're going to, I mean, you don't know how many times I've been like, wow, God, I really don't know how you're going to do this. Like, I can't wait to see because I can't think of one possible strategy. And it's like, he blows my mind every time. I'm like, that's how you're going to do it. Wow. 
And it's great to listen to miracle stories of others. We have to listen to miracle stories of others, but be careful when you listen to the miracle stories of others that you don't get attached to their story. Let it build your faith, but don't get so attached to their story that you make their story your story and you tell God how he has to work in your life, right? Miracle stories are great to build our faith, but don't let them build your miracle. God is God. He doesn't need our help. He doesn't need our help to be God. He's really, really, really good at it. Just put your trust in him. Friends, ask yourself today, this is the question to ask ourselves, where is our faith? What are we putting our confidence and hope in today? You see, God is the only immovable, unshakable being. Everything else in the world is unstable. There is one rock and one foundation that we should build our life on, and that's Jesus, friends. I can promise you that when you put your faith in Jesus, you will not be disappointed. He is the Alpha Omega, the beginning and the end. I mean, I cannot predict what's going to happen in the world. Russia, Ukraine, the dollar. I mean, it's a little crazy. Like, let's be real, right? It's a little wild. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know one thing. The kingdom of God is advancing, okay? And when we enter into the kingdom of God in faith, we cannot be stopped. There is not one thing, not one thing the devil can send our way that will hinder the move of God that's coming to the earth. So put your faith in God, friends. Amen? Amen. All right. Awesome, yes. Hey, Awaken Church. One of my favorite places to be right here. Amen. So I just want to give honor and thank all of our pastors for giving me the opportunity to share what God put on my heart. And I just love it. If you're here tonight, you're like, oh, I want an opportunity. God's laying things on my heart. You know what? Just write it down. He'll give you the opportunity. He gives me stuff all the time. I just write it down. I'm like, okay, Lord, when you want people to hear, you'll give me the opportunity to share it. And here I am tonight, so I want to jump in uh, because he gave me quite a bit to share with you guys. Glad I talk fast. The title of my message is The Time Is Now. So I have three quick points I want to make. Point number one is it is not too late. Don't give up. And I know for some of us, it's been a really hard last few years. And some of you have a promise that you're holding on to. You heard a word from the Lord. You're standing on that promise you were given. Maybe a word that was prophesied, but you're not seeing the manifestation of that promise. And maybe you're feeling like you're having an Abraham and a Sarah experience so much time has passed since that word has been given and you haven't seen it fulfilled, you might even be thinking, is it too late? Is it too late for me to have this promise fulfilled? You feel like the rain of life is pouring down on you and you're not really on solid ground and your life might be being rocked and life isn't what you expected it to be. Maybe you lost a job or Maybe you're standing on, you really wanted a house and it didn't happen, or maybe you're standing on a word that God gave you for a baby or a relationship. I am here to tell you tonight that it is not too late. And I'm going to be a little vulnerable here and insert my testimony here. Uh, But I've been divorced for 18 years. I wasn't going to share this, but then the Lord dropped on me, so I'm going to share it just amongst a few hundred of my friends here. So I feel like I said a good spot, right? So uh, my desire, of course, you know, I've been uh, divorced for 18 years, was to find the one or someone to share my life with. Um, And so my biggest desire was I really wanted my boys to be able to experience what would it be like to be, you know, raised in a godly family where you had two parents, even if it was a step-parent, that, you know, served the Lord. And 
as the years went by, my first son turned 18, and guess what? Know the one. And I'm like, oh, that's okay, Lord. You're going to do it with the last two. Uh, second kid comes along, uh, turns 18. Uh, there is no the one. So now I'm like, okay, Lord, this is your last chance. Before my last one gets 18, you got to come through and bring me the one. But guess what? My baby turned 18, and I still didn't see the one. So I'm like, you know, I started, I'm going to be truthful. I started getting discouraged. I'm like, literally, I got to the point where I came to the end of myself. But I'm here to encourage you if you're in that spot tonight, that God is not confounded by time. God's timing is not always our time. He might not come when you want it, but I want to tell you he's always on time. So that's a word for somebody here tonight, whether it's a job, whether it's finances, whether it's a baby, it is not too late. So I want to tell you 24 days after my youngest son's birthday, I did meet the man of my dreams, who is Ephesians 3.20, above and beyond all that I can ask or think, and he's right there. So, I want to tell you tonight that it is not too late. And of course, I want to add this little, I'm, it's funny, Pastor Leanne should be here tonight because I'm going to play a little clip of our favorite movie. Um, I'm a visual learner. I'm a teacher. So I want to take a few minutes to unpack this, a really short clip, but just to give you something to think about when you think it's too late. So if you could just play that clip. Why didn't you write me? Why? It wasn't over for me. I waited for you for seven years. Now it's too late. I wrote you 365 letters. I wrote you every day for a year. You wrote me? Yes. It wasn't over. Still isn't over. Mic drop right there. Some of you are asking God, why didn't you answer me? I waited for you three years, five years, 10 years, feel free to insert your number, whatever you need to say. But guess what God is saying to you tonight? It is not too late. He said, I wrote you 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, 7,487 promises to you. And he's saying, I wrote you more than 20 promises every day of the year to remind you that you are always on the Father's heart, that he did not forget about you, that he loves you, and it's not too late. And I love how God brings things uh, about Galatians 6, 9, like Pastor Ashley spoke tonight in the Passion Version says, do not allow yourselves to be weary in planting good seeds or doing good. The season of reaping, the wonderful harvest you have planted is coming. Didn't say it might, it says it is coming. So don't give up. Don't get weary. Don't get tired. God's word is always true and it will come to pass. So I just want to show you another little clip because I think that pictures are worth a thousand words. And so I want you guys to take a look at this and see if you see yourself in any of these. So coach, how strong is Westview this year? A lot stronger than we are. You already written Friday night down as a loss, Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat them. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. 
What, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. The 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Keep your knees off the ground, just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit Show me good effort. He's heavy. I know he's heavy. I'm bad out of strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going, you hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It's not too hard. It's not too hard. You keep going. Come on, Brock. Keep going. Keep going. Go, Brock Kelly. You don't quit on me. No, you keep going. You keep going. Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone. Some of you don't know how close you are to the end zone. Do not give up. I don't know how many of you saw yourself in Brock where you're saying it's too heavy. It's too hard. I can't keep going on. But I'm here to tell you, don't give up. It is time to rise up. My second point is, it is time to rise up. 1 Samuel 33 through 8 when David came back with his men and he found that all the women and their children were stolen and taken away. And verse five, it says, and David's two wives, they were also taken captive. Verse six says, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Then David said to the priest, Amalek's son, please bring the ephod here to me. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them without fail and recover all. He didn't say recover some. He didn't say recover part, but he said all. How much did he say that you can recover? How much did he say that we can recover? Imagine you fought a battle that God told you to do. And when you came back, everything that you had was lost. It was stolen. And your friends are so mad at you. Like, hey, we followed you. We listened to the word that you had to say. Now we lost everything because of you. So guess what? We're not going to encourage you. We want to kill you. Sometimes we read parts in the Bible and it sounds so spiritual, but insert yourself. Can you imagine how that feels? You follow the word of God and it looks like, did I make a mistake? Did I make a wrong turn? What happened? It was not supposed to end like this. But God is saying in the midst of your trouble, if you seek him, he is telling you it is time to pursue what is yours. It's time to overtake every obstacle and recover what the devil has stolen. He has called you to be who he wants you to be and to do what he wants you to do. We're getting ready to start a new series called City Impact. Now more than ever, we can't shrink back from what call, God called us to be and what God called us to do. Because Matthew 5, 14 6 through 16 says, you are the light of the world. 
like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So I just have two quick questions for you. Where are you letting your light shine and how are you letting your light shine? When people around you are hurting or need answers, are you someone that they can reach out to? We have a lost and hurting generation of people longing for answers. And the word says in Acts, there is a salvation under no one else that we can be saved except the name of Jesus. So maybe you're here tonight and you said, you know, I've tried things on my own. I've tried to do it my own strength, my own power. I've sent good thoughts, good vibes, positive confessions, self-help books. These are great tools and strategies. However, John 14, 6 says, I am the truth and the life. I am the way. I love it. It didn't say a way. It said the way. It's not a multiple choice. If you're struggling here tonight and you're saying, I didn't expect my life to be like this. I don't know how I ended up here. God said he will do above and beyond what you can ask or think if you just trust him tonight. My final point was, what does God say about you? He says that you're more than a conqueror. He says, if he's for you, who can be against you? He says he will contend with those who contend with you. How many like a big brother or a dad when someone's coming against you, they stand behind you and you're like, oh, I feel big. No, it's who's behind you. We have a God that's standing behind us who said he would contend with those who contend with us. So I want to encourage you tonight as I wrap this up, don't shrink back. Your family needs you. Your church needs you. Your city needs you. Your country needs you. The world needs you. The time is now. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.